Hello, all you kings, queens, and those in between, and welcome to episode 15 of the Busted Limes podcast. I'm your host, Paresh Maharaj, and Black Belt will not be joining us this time because he's super lame. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. He hasn't seen the movie we're discussing, and he just doesn't want to be spoiled. So, instead, I have procured a guest. He is the man who cannot shut up about movies, the host of the Comics Quest podcast, J.D. Martin. Hello! (laughs) Oh my god, so this is a guest spot that was a long time coming because I have guested on your Comics Quest show like about, what, four times now? Four times now. Four times, oh my god. And let me just say that It has been a great experience each time I've been on the show because comics has been a big nerdy blind spot for me for the longest time. So all of your quote-unquote assigned readings have been very valuable to me as far as filling in that blind spot. So for that, I thank you. But um, for once, we're not actually here to talk about comics. We're here to talk about a movie. So um, just to give a brief summary, the name of the movie is Love and Monsters. And normally when I talk about movies, like back when I talked about Troll Hunter with Grant, um, I like to ask people like how they heard about the movie and what their history is with it. I have kind of a weird history with this movie because I have no idea how I first heard of it. Like, I think I may have just seen the trailer as when it was auto-playing as a YouTube ad or something, but whatever. The point is that Anyone who's followed the show long enough knows that I I am all about that kaiju life and that monster movie life. So <laughs> as soon as I saw that there were some monsters in this movie in a seemed to be Earth down to Earth um, perspective, like along the lines of Trollhunter, now that I think about it, I made it a point to just lock it away in my brain and just make sure that I saw it eventually, even if even if Buster Limes had never existed, I was going to watch this movie anyway. So, um, well, yeah, like I said, everyone who's followed the show knows my history with uh, monster movies, but uh, JD, um, how did you hear about this movie? And uh, while we're at it, uh, what ex- do you have any experience with monster movies? Oh, wow, the rain is getting real hard right now. No. Nah. <laughs> Yay. Uh, for context, listeners, uh, just so you know, there is a rain slash thunderstorm going on outside so if you all of a sudden start to hear like a big old clap of thunder uh do not be alarmed that is not uh going on where you are it's going on where i am uh so <laughs> just that, just a little uh, just a little heads up on that little insider baseball on that uh mm-hmm. but better insider baseball is uh talking about my history with this movie and monsters in general so my history with the movie, um, I'm not exactly sure what came first, whereas I either saw an ad for it or uh, people I follow on Twitter were talking about how awesome the movie is. In particular, it was uh, CJ and Micah from the wonderful podcast uh, Below Freezing. Everyone should go listen to that. It's fantastic. Um, as well as uh, the man who gave me the wonderful theme song for Comics Quest, uh, Dan Purcell, also great friends with CJ and Micah, um, and just a friend of all podcasts. He's great. Um, all three of them were like all for the, that movie. So I was seeing what they were say- saying about it. I was seeing all these ads and I was like, I want to check out this movie at some point. And then you came to me and said, Hey, I-, I want you to come on the show and I want you to talk about this movie. I was like, absolutely. Finally. Like it gives me like, 
Like, I, I need no excuse to watch this movie, but this gave me the perfect excuse to watch the movie. And I was happy with that. So that is my history with the movie. Now, with monsters in general, um, I grew up... I didn't really... I wasn't, like, big into monsters when I was growing up. Uh, the closest I got was you know, falling in love with the Blade trilogy, as one does when you're six years old. Of course, of course. This also leads into a weird story um, with me and Blade. Uh, I just spoke about this on uh, an, a recent episode of Panelology, I guessed, I guessed it on. Everyone go listen to Panelology, it's great. Um, I mentioned on that episode that I um, I did a little, bit, a, bit, a little bit of cosplaying when I was a child, uh, I loved the Blade movies, all three of them, so much. So, uh, to the point where I knew every line of dialogue, and I would take my DVD player into the living room, and I would dress up as Blade, and I would cosplay as Blade in the living room while the movies were playing. The, the, that is the most adorable shit I have ever seen, or ever heard. Yeah, like it, I had really everything. Is. I had I had the blue. I had like a blue vest. I had a purple robe that I would use as my trench coat. I had hiking boots. I had fingerless gloves. I had Nerf guns and sunglasses and a buzz cut, and I had a like a wooden stick that was like perfect for my size to be used as a fake sword, and I was fucking blade, y'all, for <laughs> for a few hours. I oh was Wesley Snipes, and I was very happy. Uh, because like those movies like led me down like a rabbit hole of just loving Blade or, or like not Blade but um but Wesley Snipes in general, and mm-hmm. you know that's when I was watching like White Men Can't Jump and New Jack City and Passenger Fifty Seven and Demolition Man and U.S. Marshals and all these things that he did. Um, so I have a deep deep love and respect for Wesley Snipes uh, and his career. So the thing is the the most monster centric of those three is of course Blade 2 directed by known monster lover Guillermo del Toro who is <laughs> a god to us del here Toro. On del Toro <laughs> yes um, so yeah like he is he's one he's like probably like my sec he's one of my like top five favorite directors he's up there with like miyazaki hyao miyazaki is my favorite for sure um Mm -hmm. and then after miyazaki there's like del toro and the wachowskis and like i don't know greta gerwig and ryan johnson um they're all kind of like all in that nebulous uh that nebulous stream of of people that i really really uh latch on to as far as uh, uh their movies go so Blade 2, like, Del Toro making Blade 2 led me to everything he did. So you've got both of the Hellboy's mo- Hellboy movies, which have some fantastic creatures in them. So good. So good. I, I especially love the uh, forest spirit from Hellboy 2. Yes, the, um, exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. That's, yeah. that, oh my god, that scene is just heartbreaking going back to watch, <sighs> going back and watching it. I watched Hellboy 2 so much when I was a kid, because that... I mentioned this when I was on Palette Cleanser talking Speed Racer. So, like, 2008 was a weird year for comic book movies. Because, like, that year we got Iron Man and The Dark Knight. But we also got Speed Racer, Hellboy 2, and Punisher Warzone. Wow. Yeah, a weird year. And you can guess which ones I prefer. Uh, as the ones that I mentioned uh, last, those are the ones I do prefer. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Look. Right. Christopher Nolan is cool and all with his with you know with how he wants to basically he just wants to ask time out on a date <laughs> but the thing is he will never touch the throne of Del Toro and he will never touch the thrones of the Wachowskis and he just has to accept that sorry dude and it, you're gonna for that th- for those thrones it ain't happening and, and the reason why he can't achieve the throne of Del Toro is because Del Toro in 2013 gave us a little movie called Pacific Rim with, uh, look, I fucking love Pacific Rim. I Me too. really, really love that movie. Look, there's only really like two movies of Del Toro's that I don't love, uh, which are his first two, Kronos and Mimic, uh, right. which he it readily re- hmm. will, will always mention those being like test runs for his career. And he believes like his real first movie was The Devil's Backbone. I don't yes. fully agree with that, um, but I will say Chronos and Mimic are not lesser than, they're just movies that I don't latch on to emotionally like I do everything, like The Devil's Backbone on, up to mm-hmm. now. Um, everything since The, since the Devil's Backbone, I, I latch on to emotionally in a big way. But Chronos and Mimic, not so much. But we're not talking about Chronos and Mimic, we're talking about how fucking amazing mm-hmm. Pacific Rim is, how yes. though mm-hmm. that movie made me fall in love with monsters, and unfortunately there are i like i have like monsters are like a big blind spot for me i have seen the the american made recent movies in the monster verse um the the 2014 yes. godzilla directed by gareth edwards kong school <laughs> island directed by jordan Vaught roberts and um tw- was it uh 2019 Mo- godzilla king of the monsters directed yep. by michael uh, michael doherty Yes. And uh yep. i believe as of recording it's what 10 days until godzilla versus kong Nine. Nine days as of today. Yeah. As of today's <laughs> recording, nine days until Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Wingard. And look, I just want them to fuck. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a valid kiss position. At, they're going to kiss at the very least. Okay? <laughs> it's going to happen. And let like, them hold hands. Let them hold hands at least. I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, but, yeah, like... Like, Godzilla, like, I am not familiar with at all. Like, I haven't seen any of the Showa-era films. I have seen the Roland Emmerich Godzilla movie from 1998, which is not very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's beside the point. Uh, the movie mm-hmm. I really, really need to see still is Shin Godzilla, um, because I know... Yes. I know instantly when I start watching that, I'm just going to be like screaming at my TV. Like, why is this so fucking terrifying and awesome? Uh, it's kind of like, kind of like how I felt kind of like how I felt when I was watching uh, Love and monsters the other night. Oh, oh my God. Yes. So, um, all right. Yeah. Uh, that was I, a go. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I was going to pivot. Cause, um, I remember the night I, I, I finally watched it as soon as it was, as soon as it was over, I, I texted Paresh and I said, I laughed, I cried, I got anxiety, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, and uh, I think this is a good segue, Eddie, to just give our overall thoughts on the movie, and it is, it is a good movie. Like, this is a... It's a fucking banger of a movie. It's a damn good movie, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's simple, but it's good. It understand. We'll get into this when we uh, get into spoiler territory. But it understands how humans work, and that's that's in in one sentence. That's everything that makes Love and Monsters good. It 
it's a movie it's a monster movie that understands how humans work so you care about them yeah because i i would say even though i enjoy that 2014 godzilla movie mm-hmm. um i think a major issue with it uh like a major hurdle for it is the fact that i don't give a shit about any of the people in that movie yeah i don't like yeah. I, I i i have an emotional uh, attachment to Brian Cranston as a person. I think he's great. Um, just mm-hmm. As an actor, I love him. Uh, yeah. I have no attachment. I, I, I feel nothing when he dies, unfortunately. Um, because mm-hmm. he's just... Because it's like, yes, Brian Cranston is dead, but I know in real life that Brian Cranston is still alive and well, so whatever. Like, God forbid, knock on wood, uh, whenever Brian Cranston uh, does pass away in like 50 years... Uh, and I go back and watch that Godzilla movie, and he dies. Maybe I'll, then, then I'll feel something. But until then, um, no, not happening. I did feel something during his death scene. It was pure anger that you that they wasted their perf- that they wasted their best actor that, to the point that I was literally <laughs> flipping off the screen was I was watching it in the theater. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Best actor? Uh, you mean Kim Watanabe, sir? Okay, second best actor there. <laughs> Uh, I'd say third, actually, because there is a certain Sally Hawkins in that movie. I keep forgetting she's in that. Jesus Christ. I know! <laughs> and then she just gets, like, tossed aside in King of the Monsters. Look, I have I have yeah. opinions, um, and, and one of those <laughs> is you do not do Sally Hawkins dirty. You, you just don't. And that's why, uh, that's why the Paddington films are perfect, and that is why, um, uh, the Shape of Water is pretty much perfect. Yes. Um, everyone go watch The Shape of Water. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, speaking of Sally Hawkins, um, this has nothing to do with monsters at all. Um, but just, <laughs> just, you know, just stick with me. Uh, there's a really great Mike Lee movie from the from like the mid 2000s called Happy Go Lucky, starring uh, Sally Hawkins. Everyone go watch that movie. It's it's a delight. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Happy go lucky. Go, go and just go watch that and, and enjoy yourselves. Um, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Love and Monsters and how it's a damn good movie. Yeah. So, um, did did you just want to give your uh, well, expand on anything besides um, you laughed, cried, got anxiety, or did do you want to get into spoilers now? Um, I I don't have much else to say except um, mm-hmm. even though he is now twenty nine years old. I still think Dylan O'Brien would be a perfect Terry McGinnis in a Batman Beyond movie. He has already done a movie with Michael Keaton, American Assassin, and he uh, is known for doing his own stunts. Go check out the Maze Runner trilogy. Uh, So, I mean, look, just put him in a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton and go for it. Just go for it. It'd be great. Go crazy. Yeah. Go crazy. And that's all I have to say. Alright, so yeah, just to sum up, uh, yeah, it's a good movie, watch it however you can, for some reason it didn't get a theatrical release, well, I say for some reason, but, you know, when in doubt, COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, watch, it's available to rent on YouTube, Amazon, I think pretty much wherever you get your movies, honestly. Yeah, I bought a Blu-ray of it, so um, there's that. There you go, there you go, yeah, because physical media reigns supreme, I don't care... What anyone sure else says? Sure as fuck does. Sure as yeah, fuck does, I, son. I could reach out and touch the entire MonsterVerse uh, universe right now. As a matter of fact, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> I'm just gently stroking it. Don't ever leave Please me. stop that. Sorry, what was that? Stop. Sorry, what were we talking about? <clears throat> we're talking about Love <clears throat> and Monsters and how it's an awesome Love movie. and Monsters. 
All right, yeah, so where do you want to start with that? You want to start with our lead? Uh, yeah, let's start with the lead and uh, get into the opening of the movie and the uh, like the introduction of this world. Both the opening credits uh, and his voiceover narration, as well as the introduction to his colony and his like everyday life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, just basic setup here. Um, it opens with possibly the best example of the exposition opening exposition narration where he just gives a history of as to how they got into this little predicament here um you know post-apocalyptic uh disaster happened uh so all the animals on earth have now mutated into giant monsters and long story short humans well the few humans that are left have retreated into their little as jd mentioned colonies underground and um can I just say I just freaking love this opening narration because it and this building on the theme of this movie knows how humans work. Um, the opening narration it actually sounds like someone telling a story. It starts with him mm-hmm. just saying, "Oh, hey, so we have um, a meteor was coming down, so we did what we do best. We launched rockets at it." <laughs> because uh huh uh huh uh huh. And then that literally backfired because the shrapnel, from, the radiated shrapnel of the meteor came down and mutated all the animals. And I just love this, the two little details he gives because, tell me this, how many times have you told a story and you're just like, you start off general and then you say, hell, I knew this one guy who blank, blank, blank. Yeah, you get like hyper specific. Yeah, yeah we all do it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what Joel, our lead, does here. He says, I knew this one guy who got eaten in his sleep by a fish. <laughs> and then the even funnier one later on where he says, and some some of them grew bigger than tanks. And this is why we never leave the tanks, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be Josh. Don't be a Josh. <laughs> Are you Josh and me, J.D.? Uh, no, um, the only okay. Josh that has ever joshed me, uh, was a Josh that I knew, um, at my current job, um, he left back in February last year, and I was very sad because he was one of the best people I ever worked with. He was a, a, a as, as we all are, uh, he was a fucking nerd. <laughs> Uh, I still um. remember the first day I, I I had met him only once previously when he was in a different department, but when, but mm-hmm. the first day I worked with him in my department, I said to him, "Hey, so uh, later this week, I am going to a Rambo marathon, and I have an extra ticket. Would you want to go?" And he said, "Yeah, sure." Nice. We like mm. barely were we're barely talking, and all of a sudden I'm like. I feel like I can drop this on him. And sure enough, he he actually... I was like, I wonder if he's actually even going to show up. Sure enough, he did. He did show up. Thank God. I would nice. felt very weird good. if he didn't. Um, good, good, and we good. had a grand old time until that last movie, which was just... Um, a lot. Which one? Uh, the, last, like, last Blood? Last Blood. Oh, the uh, worst mm. one. Mm, um, yeah. Although it was it yeah. it was fun, however, at the very end to watch yes. Rambo, John Rambo just become Kevin McAllister on steroids for a bit. <laughs> I think my per I think my personal favorite was was uh, him behind the behind the dirt wall, uh, 
launching a like a, a sharpened piece of rebar through the hole into into dude into like all these dudes sides that was that was mm-hmm. cool that was my favorite part and then he literally yeah. tears a dude's heart out of his chest literally <laughs> literally not not like how um like how scarlet witch did in age of ultron where she just like used her use her little her little red red magic abilities to pull a, a metal heart out of a robot john rambo gets up and literally stabs the dude in the chest with his big ass hunting knife and mm-hmm. rips his heart out of his chest yeah it's intense as fuck mm-hmm. uh that mm-hmm. movie really wanted to be logan um except Logan is way better. Yeah. Yeah. So we're done talking about the rainbow franchise, even though I could spend like the rest of this episode talking about it. We're instead going to be talking about (laughs) love and monsters. (laughs) Yes. And uh, speaking of intensity, this opening is actually pretty intense, but, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Before we get to that though, um, you said you wanted to speak about the colonies and explain what, like what the colonies are all about. I did. Uh, so, something Joel mentions in his, in his narration is, uh, that everyone in this colony, uh, has like found their soulmate except for him. Uh, he unfortunately seven years prior when the event happened, uh, he had to leave his, uh, his girlfriend, Amy. And, uh, like she went off with her parents. He went off with his, um, and now seven years later, he is, essentially very very lonely uh in this colony surrounded by people who who have all found the loves of their lives and um it it, it sucks but but he's also like someone who's like not he's not really he's not bitter about it he just he's just kind of like a little bummed out about it um but instead he he uh to get through that he just you know he 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 cooks and he spends time with Gertie the cow and he tries to practice cross uh, practice with his crossbow and he sucks um, <laughs> he really sucks oh he accidentally like, shot Mavis that poor yeah. poor robot who no longer works yeah yeah poor Mavis and uh, it's funny that you mentioned that uh that he sucks at it because um there it th- I find it refreshing that uh, there's no animosity between him and the rest of the colony, and that comes oh, yeah. to a head when they insult insult him in the most polite way possible before they go out and to see about a monster breaching the breaching the uh, their defenses. Yeah, like, like they like like. Good two of them like are have are like saying sentences back and forth and at the end of and like he interrupts and goes like why does this sound so rehearsed because you know that these two people have been like what are, so how are we gonna break this nicely to joel about how he freezes up and he can't help with the with the dangerous missions like so much so to yeah. the point where like when they go on he can't even help when they go on food runs and unfortunately, like 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 you mentioned, there is a monster that breaches their defenses, and mm-hmm. uh, someone dies. Um, and when yeah. someone dies, uh, Dylan's or um, D- Dylan, I'm calling him by his actor name, J- uh, Joel. <laughs> Joel tries to go help, and then he sees the monster, 
and he freezes and he mentions i have a i have a freezing problem aka Mm -hmm. he has severe anxiety brought on by ptsd we will get into why later um Mm -hmm. but he has anxiety issues and uh so after this happens and then the title drops i believe the title drops right here Uh, yeah 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 it does uh what what a wonderful clean opening right there and after that we then cut to him uh going to the radio where it is revealed that he has been able to reconnect with amy his uh former high school girlfriend who is in safe and running another colony uh which it turns out is like 85 miles away from his own Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, and he needs to be able to like speak to her on the radio, and 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 you know, the vets brought him some semblance of of peace in in these trying times. And unfortunately, the radio goes out, and he's not able to, to speak with her again. So he then decides, you know what? I'm tired of I'm tired of being scared. I'm tired of freezing. I'm tired of not being able to to help in the way I want here. So I am going to make this 85 mile trek to Amy's colony so that I can profess my undying love for her and nothing is going to get in my way not even the monsters that are on the surface and everyone's like Joel you're a lunatic do not do that yeah yeah because Joel he's um his role in the colony is to make a damn good minestrone so yep in fact, that's yeah. what they say whenever he's about to leave, and he, and he's like, "That sounds like a compliment in my head." <laughs> yeah. but, but you're but yeah, like you're sort of, right when like yeah. the whole thing about like there being no animosity between him and the rest of the colonists, that 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 like comes to like 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 a great moment here where where when he leaves, no one is angry at him, no one is you know is cursing him out or anything. Everyone's like, "Well, we you know like." we don't like that you're doing this because it's very dangerous, but you, but you know, you, we, we trust you and you feel that you need to do this. So we are, we will prepare you in any way we can. We will make you a map. That's not that great, but it's, you know, it's, it's a nice gesture. Um, and we will make sure you get out of the colony safe and we will make sure that you, you know, you get where you need to go. And I love that. Right. And again, this movie knows how humans work because uh, humans are not math humans are complex weird nebulous creatures yeah, much like the creatures that he sees on his journey which yeah is, well, so yeah. Um, should we yeah. get into it's what the five creatures that he encounters um, five or six let me see one two three four okay well five technically six if you want to count like that nest that he falls into where he meets Clyde and Minnow yeah, we'll get we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, we'll get it. But but yeah, without the yeah, five there are five big ones and um yes. Yeah. So the, let's get to the first big one that he encounters right after yeah. he leaves the colony, uh, yeah. which is a giant frog. Okay, and what I love best about this how this encounter even starts is that the the last piece of advice that his colony gives him before he leaves is just run away Joel encounters this frog while he's running away mm-hmm. so that just gives you an idea of just how dangerous and ill-equipped this is and of course it's the perfect spot for him to begin his character arc but um yes. 
Look, sidebar, um, this encounter was incredibly terrifying for me because I don't tell a lot of people this because it rarely comes up in conversation, but I have a very irrational fear of being eaten alive. The thing is, I don't feel that that is completely irrational. I think everyone has a fear of being eaten alive, unless you're into Vor. Which I am not, for this very reason. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, hey, look, no kink shame. If you're into it, you're into it, that's fine. It's just, you know, we are not. Yeah, yeah. But if you're into yeah. it, that's totally fine. This is a, this is a kink shame-free zone. Uh, ev- yeah. I, I like to believe that every podcast I, get, I go on to, I like to bring the kink shame-free zone with me. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, yeah, um, but, we are, but we are not into war. We don't want to get eaten alive. That's very scary. Yes, it is. And yes, and it is also very scary for Joel. And this is this because surprise, surprise, his first encounter, he freezes up, gets his leg tangled by this frog's tongue. And it looks like his journey is about to end as quickly as it began until. However, <laughs> boy shows up the boy. best dog. The best dog in movies. God, this dog has more personality and character than, like, 99% of any other human characters in monster movies. Because this dog has the come-with-me-if-you-want-to-live moment. Because not only does he free Joel from the clutches of the frog, but he leads him back to a trailer, an abandoned trailer, and then closes the door behind them. Which is, and from the minute I saw that, I'm just like... Best boy. Good boy. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I love I love boys so much. Mm-hmm. Which, you, another sidebar, but you want to know something funny? What? The Please. day that I... Pray s- tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the day that I saw this movie, I'd also uh, knocked out all seven episodes of season one of uh, Pacific Rim The Black. And, uh... Mm-hmm. It's hilarious because in that series, the, char- the two main characters, they encounter... Uh, a a mute boy in a scientist in a science lab who in just like a vat of <laughs> science green goop, and uh, it, you know you know what they call him? They call him boy. Yeah, they call him boy. Uh, they call him they call the human character in that show what they call what this movie calls the dog. Just thought that was funny. Anyways, boy has his own I mentioned how boy has his own character art. And the way this is illustrated is that he he hangs on to this dress and like would not let anyone get near it because this is one of the few instances where we do need to be told because dogs can't talk. Um yeah. yeah, it belonged to his former owner and he's just doesn't want to part with it. More on that later. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Little little bit of a setup there. It's a surprise tool that we'll use later on. That was my terrible Mickey Mouse voice. <clears throat> oh, do you you, um, you want to make you want to make a mouse voice? I can do the Mickey Mouse voice. It's a useful tool that we'll be using later on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy, <sighs> come here. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you said real quick, JD. <laughs> we have different definitions of the of the term real quick. <laughs> okay so yes from there we ha- he has a t- obtained his companion dog and from there the journey continues mm-hmm. and who mm-hmm. does he 
And after this point, who does he run into to help him move along in his character arc? Tallahassee and Little Rock from Zombieland. Nope, just kidding. It's Clyde M. Minow, played by Michael <laughs> Rooker and Ariana Greenblatt. Um, and it was uh, it was at this moment that I realized, oh, this movie is about to enter Zombieland territory and do Zombieland better than Zombieland could. Yes, yes, because... Whereas in Zombieland, it's some smug nerd who already knows everything by lecturing the audience. Here, we're on, we're basically in Joel's shoes, so we sit there with Joel and listen as Clyde and Minnow bestow their wisdom to us. Yes, and, because yeah. it doesn't, you know, what's great about um, Clyde giving out all the rules of this new Earth he doesn't sound like a smarmy prick like how Jesse Eisenberg does in Zombieland. He just sounds like a dude who, you know, just has acquired knowledge, uh, you know, you know li- having lived through this for seven years, and is just trying to help Joel out. Because he knows that eventually he and Joel are going to part ways, so he wants to make sure that he is, he, he will, he, he will at least feel like he had uh, helped in some way whenever they part ways. Right. And it's funny that you mentioned they part ways because what I love most about his interactions with Clyde Meadow is that they do come to a definite end. Like, yeah, not a, tra- See, not a tragic end, but yeah. No, no. What's great um, when I was watching this. Uh, so, ev- so like you mentioned, eventually they do part ways in a lesser movie. They mm-hmm. like Clyde and Meadow would have stuck around for, I would say, like 80 percent of the runtime. They right. like they, like you know after they showed up, they would have stuck with Joel all the way up until he is about like until like five minutes before he's about to hit the colony and see Amy again. Um, but this is not that movie. This it movie, as I will probably mention multiple times, excuse me, throughout this episode, this movie is way smarter than anyone can ever get a, give it credit for. Like we can yes. say all day, this movie is very smart. But the thing is, it will always be smarter than people will say it is. No matter yeah, what. Absolutely. Even if you love it like we do. It's still smarter mm-hmm. than we think it is. Um, and what's great is, when they did leave, I checked the I checked my runtime. They left 48 minutes in. There was still a whole hour left of the movie. And it's like, oh, wow. So, like, we get them for, like, a solid, like... 25 30 minutes and then <laughs> they bounce and then like they part ways and now we just get to be with joel you know like you know going out with boy and dealing and like dealing with uh more monster encounters and uh using the the uh the the rules and the tools that uh minnow and clyde have bestowed upon him Yes, I, can I, can we just say that uh, this is that you said that we spend like twenty five minutes or so with them, but they use that twenty five minutes. Oh yeah, in fact, yeah. I wanna I wanna make a little <laughs> bit of a comparison here. Um, so yes. I mentioned I was on on the podcast Panelology. One of the books we read was the most recent issue of Justice League. Um, it's with the first issue written by Brian Michael Bendis. And in the past, there was a different comic called Justice League Dork that dealt with, like, John Constantine and Zatanna, Swamp Thing, Etrigan, uh, Dead Man. It's a gr- and it was always a great comic. And um, 
Rom V was like the writer who took over after James Tynan left the book and he was writing it for a while and then uh, I believe I don't remember if it ended before Future State started or it ended because of Future State um, but now it's become like a like a backup story in Justice League issues from this point on so he only he only gets like 10 pages to tell a story but he really uses those 10 pages economically storytelling wise he knows like he does more in those 10 pages from that issue of justice league than most people use in a 20 page uh issue that is amazing yeah and i feel the exact same way with this movie in that like these like 25 to 30 minutes we get of Clyde and Minnow, it's it, it's really perfect the way they the way they utilize these characters. And it's like they they show up, and with with Joel in in dire straits, he has fallen into this pit of sandworms, and they are about to kill him. And then Minnow and Clyde show up and save him. And you know, Joel like convinces them, hey, you know, maybe you know, like if we're going in the same direction, maybe we can like team up and like help each other out a little bit and they're like yeah that seems fair let's do it let's and they're Mm -hmm. like they're like let's help the poor kid out uh even though minnow is like 10 yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and then but then we get the next scene um on the on like the cliff side which i want to talk about a little bit yes because i love how i love how well the scene plays out so we we get multiple story beats in this one scene. Um, number one, we get Clyde starting the uh, ongoing thing of bestowing all, all of the rules that he has worked out upon Joel. The first one being always, uh, you know, always sur- get to higher ground and survey the landscape. All you know because that will help you spot the bigger monsters, see where they are so you can avoid them and also just see where you're going. And so that sets that up. Uh it also sets up Joel learning how not only learning um the rules, but we now also are he's learning physical abilities such as learning how to use the crossbow correctly uh, because Minnow knows how to fucking do that shit so she's now teaching him that and then third we also get a reason to actually care about Clyde and Minnow um, as Clyde um, previously lost his son and Minnow lost her father so these two people who have each lost someone very important to them uh, have now latched onto each other and have become each other's support system, which is wonderful. It's really great to see, you know, two people who who are experiencing such severe loss to be able to uh, lean on each other in a in a very healthy manner. And another th- important thing that happens in these twenty five minutes is that there is so much set up, but. I don't want to go too much into detail because... So I'll just summarize it as this. Uh, nothing happens in this movie that hasn't already been set up. Like, just... Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. every, everything is set up and paid off. Like a great mm-hmm. Donny Cates comic, everything is set up and, pay off, and paid off. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Every, so, everyone go read Donny Cates comics. 
Yes, Donny Cates, I have I have that tattooed on the inside of my fingernails here. I will be sure to remember that. Yes. But yes, uh, don't ask how that's physically possible. Because now, <laughs> because this is a good movie, it understands that this is Joel's story, not Minnow and Clyde's. So after spending the like basically the entire second act with uh, Clyde and Minnow, um, we get our first encounter with another monster now that Joel has uh, has learned everything from Clyde and Minnow and this is my absolute favorite monster encounter in the whole movie the giant centipede holy fuck because centipedes normal centipedes are already icky and dangerous and I hate them (laughs) I do too I do too I I do not want them to be the size of a school bus like the one that um, that Joel has to fight here. Not only does because not only does Joel have to fight it, but he has to fight it before it can kill Boy. We get in this scene, we get the flashback that we needed. Yes, exactly, and it's what this flashback that brings this encounter that elevates this encounter to something more than just saving your dog. And yes, JD, since since you brought up the flashback, I'll let you describe it. Right, so um, in an earlier flashback in the movie, we got, uh, I think it was right before um, Joel and Amy spoke last uh, on the radio, we got a flashback um, showing Joel and Amy's relationship uh, right before the the um, right before the event happens, um, which, it, which, going back to that whole thing of this movie understands how human beings work, this movie yes. also understands how human relationships work. And that these are two people who are who have spent so much time together, and and really they do truly love each other on a deep level. And that Joel at this time, at that time in his life, was a terrible artist, and he tried drawing <laughs> Amy, and it sucked. And she points out, "Yeah, this sucks, but I still love mm-hmm. it because it came from you." And that's mm-hmm. great. It's like because like that's that's how you are with your partner. It's like you know, like even if they make the shittiest thing in the world you're still gonna love it because they fucking made it and that ends like they like that's great but unfortunately that was cut short when shit happens and like shit hits the fan and amy mm-hmm. has to go like go see her parents and make sure they're okay and get out and joel has to stick with his parents well we never got the end of that flashback until now uh yes. when joel is, has been knocked off his feet literally by this giant centipede monster it's closing around boy about to kill him and then joel is reminded of the event that triggered all of this that triggered his anxiety the reason he has PTSD, the reason he has um anxiety and ptsd it's that uh he got into a car accident with his parents during the event as they're trying to leave the city and he was able to get out of the car and his mother tells him to, that she loves him and to run. And right after that, his parents get crushed by a giant monster. And this happens literally inches away from Joel's face. Yeah. Like, so it, I yeah. think any person would be um, traumatized, to say the least, by an event like this. Especially when it is your parents who you love very much. So, 
we get this flashback at the perfect moment. Like, again, mm-hmm. a lesser movie would have put this way at the beginning of the movie, but this is not a lesser movie. This is a movie that is much smarter than everyone will ever think it is. Yes. This movie yes. puts the puts the flashback at the exact moment we need it because it will be fresh in our head. It, it's fresh in our minds and we have a clear a clear goal of I will not let something like this happen again to the people that I love or in this instance the dog that I love. And mm-hmm. he grabs that crossbow and he marks the fuck out of this centipede with two arrows. And we get the whole we get the fucking we did it. Uh music swell. Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. Like <laughs> boy goes up and tackles Joel and shows his appreciation for saving his life by giving him a bunch of good old sloppy kisses on the face. It's a wonderful moment. In this so movie. cathartic as Jesus Christ. This is this is it. <laughs> Not well. Yeah, I watch other movies and uh, the unfortunate uh, realizations that we came about the creator. It was his "Not my daughter, you bitch" moment. <laughs> it it is, yeah, it yeah. is, uh, but done better because it's with the dog. Yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, who boy? So I believe it is after this scene we get the jellyfish scene, correct? Yes, it is, and let me tell you that this. It's the scene that you need after an emotional high like that. Let me tell you. My, oh, yes. So, right. so uh, yeah. what um. happens here is Joel and Boy, uh, going along with their journey still, um, they encounter, uh, they get to like a, like a rundown motel, and they encounter a Mavis. Uh, we, we mentioned earlier that a Mavis is like a, a robot that is programmed to hmm. just like be like nice to people essentially i don't know it's never i fully explain what their, yeah. what their purpose is but he finds a mavis who actually works because there's a mavis in his in his colony who didn't who didn't work anymore but th- this this mavis like had her legs chomped off by a monster and she was able to uh crawl her way back and crawl her way to safety and then power down to conserve energy mm-hmm yeah, and at and, this point, she's—I think she has like fifty-one minutes of power left. Yeah, so. she has. I think she. Yeah, she's like yeah, and um, so, you know, Joel sits down with her and starts talking about like you know my name is Joel. This is why I'm out here. I have a dog and all of this, and um, and then you know they just get to talking and eventually she asks, so there is there something I can do for you? And he says, well, you wouldn't happen to have enough power like a power source to uh to a ham radio, would you? Mm-hmm. And she opens the little flap on her arm to reveal that he, she wants him to use her power. And it's mm-hmm. it's such a sweet little moment. And so, you know, he uh, graciously takes this gift um, and he's able to get, he's able to contact Amy and say, say like, oh yeah, I'm like 9.3 miles away from you. So I'm almost there. And the like sneaks in a little mention of this, captain of a boat who is there and and is going to help them and he gets a little worried yeah. uh you know because he, yep. he he thinks he might he he, mm-hmm. he is the the small little feeling in that in that and the back of his brain that he might have to um fight for the love of his life uh mm-hmm. he might have to fight another uh suitor for her heart <laughs> um uh-huh. so then um you know 
he sits down with Mavis and, you know, she, they talk about like what this, like either she says it could basically either be, uh, seen at, she might see it as the most romantic gesture in the world and, you know, fall madly in love with him once again, or she could outright reject him. And, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. We don't know. So, or he dies on the journey. Or he dies on the journey. There's that too. She does mention that one yeah. as well. He's like, she, he's like, you may just die before you even get there. And he's like, thanks, Mavis. Um, but he does. But no, no, he does. No, uh, he. But he gets cut off because Mavis only has 15 minutes left of, of power, and mm-hmm. her programming makes it to where um, she has to conserve that as much as possible. So she's still around. It's just he can't use the radio anymore. So like basically, as like a last request since she's been stuck in this motel for basically, I guess, seven years at this point, mm-hmm. um, he takes her outside and they sit on the bench and we get, good Lord, one of the <sighs> most heart-wrenching scenes ever. So she asks him, where are you from? And he says, Fairfield. Side note, um, earlier when he mentions the t- that he's from Fairfield to Clyde, Clyde mentions, wow, I've never met anyone from Fairfield. That was a wasteland and you're much yeah. more a sur- of a survivor than anyone because you made it out of that you like he's like, basically saying you're a fucking badass dude you just don't even you just don't know it mm-hmm. back to what we were saying um so she asks him where he's from he says fairfield um and she already knows his full name so she's able to go into like internet like databases and mm-hmm. find all of these photos of him and his parents and she pulls up like one photo of his mom and mm-hmm. just like showing it to him. Basically, it's almost like him looking at her, his mom again. Yeah. And yeah, she's the- saying, like, if you, if, you know, if, if she was here, what would you, like, what would you say to her? Um, yeah. And oh my God, he's just like, I love you. Yeah. I hope you're proud of me. I, I'm sorry that I couldn't, I, I couldn't be there for you, but I'm, 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 I'm proud. I, I'm proud of you, of, of what you, of, who you were and I hope you're proud of me and of who I am now and I love you and then hmm. uh and then um the they jellyfish hunk. appear mm-hmm. these basically these like they're just like f- like floating jellyfish who pose no threat they're just very pretty and, and yeah. it's really nice and uh she starts playing the song Stand By Me by Ben E. King so yeah. Prior to watching this movie, I had yeah. recently watched uh, Patrick Willems's video essay all about pop music needle drops in film and how they are used. So mm-hmm. this is an example of a very interesting one in that this is a song that was already popularized by another movie. Mm-hmm. That movie being Stand By Stand Me. Stand By Me. Um, yep. Like 19, I think it was like 1985 or 1986, something like that. I think it was 85. Something like that. Yeah. Um, this was, I mean, this was when Rob Reiner had like a perfect run of this is Final Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Damn. I know. Yeah. It's, it's just like bottom to top bangers. And then <laughs> it got fucked up, but we're not going to talk, but we're not talking about Rob Reiner. Um, yes. We're talking about one specific movie where that, like that movie shares a little bit of DNA with love and monsters and that both are movies essentially about these people who go on journeys to find something specific and stand by me it's a dead body in this movie it's amy but 
the movie is not really about the end goal. It is about the journey and how the journey changes the character. Or, in Stand By Me, the characters. And um, that's why I, I do think uh, this needle drop works really well. Because it, you know, it reminds us of Stand By Me, also a great movie. And it, you know, it draw and it's drawing parallels between those two movies in that, and it rem, it's reminding us it's like, you know, whatever happens with Amy, doesn't ultimately matter. It's more about how this journey that Joel has taken, has changed him fundamentally. <sighs> and it is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It it made me cry. I I really really love it. It's a great Dude, scene. I was and basically. Then, I was basically screaming into a pillow, but yes, yeah. What were you gonna say? Yeah, and and then and then we get a, we get the sandworm queen encounter. Yeah, action because that because that's how pacing works. Peaks and valleys, motherfucker. Woo! All right. So, <laughs> woo! Yeah, then, then it went from <laughs> to woo real quick. Um, actually, no, it did not go woo. It was oh fuck. Fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. Because this scene is um, intense as shit. So yeah. he gets mm-hmm. tossed around quite a bit by the Sandworm Queen. Uh, he's able to make it to the safety of a of a like a hollowed out tree trunk with boy. He's keeping mm-hmm. them quiet, and the Sandworm Queen is, a, is it goes away. So Joel rests easy, a teensy weensy bit, and then we get a little bit of a payoff. Uh, yeah. Because... Remember that dress I mentioned earlier? Yeah. yeah. So Boyd decides, ooh, dress. This is the perfect time to go get it. And yeah. Joel is like, no, 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 no. And of course, Boyd doesn't listen. Boyd goes after the dress into the river, and the same worm queen is about to get him. Yeah. But we get a second payoff. Because right before Clyde, Minnow, and Joel parted ways, Clyde gave him a little going-away present, which was a single grenade. Mm-hmm. And that is what Joel uses to obliterate this Sandworm Queen, and it is fantastic. It's a beautiful piece of catharsis because, you know, that monster wanted to fuck up our boy and our boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our boys, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, our human boy and our furry boy and our fur baby boy. <laughs> and our furry boy. <laughs> and uh, and this kill signifies that our human boy has... He's leveled up. What is that? Oh, it's an extra life. Yeah, I should probably get that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, then he gets but angry with boy because, you know... This they is... almost died. He almost died. It's kind of boy's fault, but and he yells at him, and then mm-hmm. boy runs away. But then he realizes, oh, you know, he's he's still a dog. He's still running on instinct, and you know that dress was important to him. So mm-hmm. I get it. But so he he feels bad about it. Also, getting out of the river, he finds just a bunch of leeches all over him. <laughs> I hate leeches. I hate them so much. Um, this is why I'm afraid of the water. Uh, fuck that shit. But right, that's not the end of his problems because those leeches no. apparently has some type of venom inside them, and now he is tripping <laughs> balls hard. 
in a setting where you do not want to be tripping balls, just wandering through the forest with the monsters that we've already seen, including some that we've, <laughs> including our imagination, yeah. filling in the blanks of what haven't we seen. Yeah. So then we get uh, yet another payoff. He has fallen to the ground and he looks at this pretty flower and he remembers that Clyde said this of this pretty flower that it is, and I quote, a good anti-venom uh, uh, to use in a quick pinch. And yes. so he just has, we get this wonderful image of Joel slowly reaching out for this flower and then slowly pushing it inside his mouth so he can eat it. And yeah, we get that. Uh, and he, he, he comes to like some type of like, like, you know, concrete pillar overarching thing, patio, yeah. whatever some kind uh, of idea, in the bro. woods. And cause uh, I'm assuming he's probably like in some, like something that used to be like a public park or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then Amy shows up. And she's not a mirage. She's, yeah, she's not a. She's yeah. not a. Um, 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 I'm trying to, a hallucination. That's the word. Yeah, I'm a venom-induced hallucination. Yeah. Nope, she's actually there. And but, however, he he does not uh, passionately make out with her like he thinks. He accidentally mm-hmm. kisses um, some scraggly-looking dude, um, which is revealed to him when he wakes up, where Amy is there <laughs> for real. Um, mm. And what I love so much about that moment when he yeah. realizes he accidentally kissed this man, uh, uh-huh. we do not get a um, gay panic. Yeah, we don't get a gay panic joke. Thank God. Because yeah. in a, again, a lesser movie would have been like, "Ew, oh my God, I can't believe I kissed you," mm-hmm. uh, which would have sucked. Instead, it was Dylan just, or I'm sorry, damn it, I'm calling him by his real name, <laughs> Joel. Yeah. Uh, Joel going, oh dang sorry dude my, didn't make, yeah. make that awkward for you like my yeah. my it, it, mistake it was, it was a yeah like a my bad thing dude didn't mean to make that real awkward for both of us mostly for <laughs> you because you know what you like i didn't know what was happening you did though um so yeah right <laughs> but now he but he has finally reached his goal he has gotten to the colony he is there with amy <laughs> And, uh, and like she, you know, she's going around showing him what's going on. Like, like there's a lot of excitement because they're moving apparently, uh, because Mm -hmm. a few days, uh, before Joel, uh, last contacted Amy when he, uh, uh, was given the, the gracious power of Mavis, um, for his radio, (laughs) uh, the, a, a yacht shows up with three Australian people, which I don't remember any of their names. Um, I'm just going to say the captain, the man, and the woman, and that is it. There um, we go. So, yes. The woman has mm. a rocket launcher on her arm that she made herself, and that's pretty fucking cool. Um, and mm-hmm. the captain seems really nice. Like, yeah. disarmingly nice. Like He brews his own beer. He brews his own beer, yeah. As people constantly mention. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, like, the captain's like, hey, you know, Joel, let, let, let's go do this thing. And he's like, actually, I was wanting to catch up with Amy. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, dude. No, no worries about that. Like, yeah, you go do that. I'll go do uh, I'll go do this other thing that, that I was going to do. So then we get mm-hmm. a pretty, a, a pretty, you know, like, a, just a really fucking sad scene after this. Sad um, but mature. We go from the high of... Joel and Amy finally being reunited to Amy t- 
telling him that basically she does not feel the same feelings that she used to anymore. And dude, like she still loves him. Let me tell you. Yeah. As I was watching this scene, I was bracing myself to be like, okay. However this scene plays out, this is going to make or break this movie. Because I swear to God, if Joel goes all man-baby incel in this moment, I am turning this off right now. And thankfully, he does not. He does not. Instead, he just becomes a real sad boy. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he just becomes a real sad boy because uh, Amy informs him that, you know, uh, that yes, like the, 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 um, the, the interactions they were having over the radio really helped her because the previous year, uh, she, re- she reveals that the previous year she, uh, uh, well that during this time she found someone new because, you know, she was, you know, Joel was somewhere else and she didn't know what had happened, but she found someone new. And, uh, unfortunately that person passed away the previous year. Yeah. And these conversations with Joel over the radio really helped her get through that. But what's really great about this is that they both kind of admit fault. Like, Joel just sprung up and decided to do this thing without telling Amy and just assuming that she would feel the same way. And Amy feels that she led Joel on and didn't, by not telling him up front... I found someone new. They just recently passed away, and I don't really feel my feeling those feelings for you anymore. I still love you. You're still my friend, but I don't feel those feelings anymore. And right. they, and they and it's it's a beautiful it's it's a, it's it's a really sad but a beautiful little scene uh, that you're right could have could have made or broken this this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say it made it. It's a really, it's a really good scene. Yep, 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 yep. And yeah. then the next scene, we get the like the bonfire, or not really bonfire, but like like a like a like a campfire yeah, scene yeah. inside, yeah. like inside the colony. The captain is like re- like you know, telling like regaling this 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 uh, story of a of a of a lizard monster who. Climbed a wall and he was, you know, and he's like, "Oh, I was terrified." And uh, uh, what, what the fuck ever. Anyway, uh, that was that's not important. Uh, yeah. What is important is is you know, Joel questions him a little bit or questions him like, "Hey, so like, what makes you think like leaving this is un is like safe?" Because he's yeah. like, "Because like, I just trekked eighty five miles across this wasteland, and if I can do it, then anybody can do it." Which Mm-hmm. After we have spent like you know, and at this point like an hour, probably like an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes with him, we mm-hmm. fully agree. Like, yeah, if any, if he can do it, literally anyone can do it because again, right. he has severe anxiety brought on by PTSD, and that causes him to freeze in intense situations. Mm-hmm. And what is this movie if not a series of intense situations? <laughs> what is this world if not a world of intense situations? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're talking about the movie, not real. Yeah. Li- Never mind. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on, M- moving on. Um, but he does like question, like, so, like, 
like maybe we should like try and get back and he's like well do you have any suggestions he's like well not really and captain's like oh yeah no my bad i didn't mean to put you on the spot whatever and that's the moment where i was like okay something's up with him because he's like mm-hmm. like oddly charming and oddly really nice yeah and i don't like it so i it's like movies have taught me that anyone who is that fucking nice mm-hmm. for no reason mm-hmm. uh or at least in no reason that is explained in the text um i.e the movie comic book what whatever it is mm-hmm. there's something up with him uh so yeah. he then so joel you know like they they, they part ways um, they go out and like have like their big celebration the night before they all leave um, and Joel goes to the ra- to the radio they have and uh, decides he wants to contact the colony and let them know that he is going to re- be returning because he realizes you know you know the life that he wanted with Amy is not possible at this moment so he's gonna go back uh, right. and hopefully the- and he's thinking like hopefully they will they will accept me hopefully I can you know come back because they did say you know like if you if you need to come back you can come back um, yeah. So while he's like yeah. waiting for the radio to you know to to find their signal, uh, he pulls mm-hmm. out the map that they made him the 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 crappy map that they had made him. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, but but then he flips it over, mm-hmm. and it is revealed that everyone signed it, letting him know that they wa- they were wishing him luck, and they loved him, yeah. and they care about him, mm-hmm. and they wanted to let him know that he is a part of their found family and it's so good like a goddamn yearbook uh, i swear <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, i love it so much <laughs> and then and then he's able to get in and um and uh then someone like brings him some beer that the captain had made like hey don't you know he brews his own beer mm. yeah i know and a bowl mm. of berries and then mm-hmm. uh but before he can get to that he, the, the radio mm. comes back on and he's able to to tell the colony he's like oh man i have so much to tell you so much things to tell have you. gone yeah, so yeah. weird yeah so much to tell you but I, i'm gonna come back um mm-hmm. and then unfortunately he loses uh he loses signal with them again and then mm-hmm. he looks at the berry mm-hmm. and it is a payoff to something from earlier because uh, yeah. earlier he had picked this exact same berry and boy told him, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, mm-mm. letting him know, don't eat that. It will kill you. And he realizes, oh, my God, they're trying to kill me. And then he remembers the story that the captain told. And that is a payoff to something that Clyde had told him back yeah. when he was with Clyde. Remember that um, yeah. when he gave us the incredible line of and I quote, lizards can't climb for shit. Mm hmm. And, and he says, uh, and I believe yeah. Joel says, son of a bitch lied. Mm-hmm. And he realizes things are not as they seem at all. So he goes outside. And of course, because everyone's celebrating, everyone's drunk off their ass. Yeah. Everyone, especially Amy, Amy, very drunk. But mm-hmm. he's trying to get like, everyone's like, this is not right. We shouldn't be doing this. And then he gets the fuck knocked out or yeah. as uh chris tucker once said on friday you got knocked the fuck out <laughs> of course that's always yes, the way you I brought have up to the say movie it. friday yeah. uh I'm, oh, i apologize boy. to everyone's yep. ears because i realized that i said that very loud it's fine yeah it's fine so then he wakes up boy. he's tied up yeah 
everyone's tied up. And everyone's tied up. Yeah. That, that um, that uh, they're food stealers, the three of them, which is something that Joel has been accused of multiple times throughout the movie. Every time he, uh-huh. he encounters someone new, why'd you leave your colony? Are you stealing food? Is that why? And yep. he realized he's like, is that like a problem or something? Is like that like a, like a thing that he will do? Turns out it is because these people have made a living out of it for the past few yeah. years. But narrator voice, it was in fact a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then it turns out how they get the yacht moving. It's a giant crab that is controlled by electric shocks. Yep. Yeah. It a giant crab, y'all. This movie's crab perfect. Battle. Crab 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 battle. <laughs> look, we look on this show, we just really love big monsters fighting things. It's fun. So we get like a whole lot of stuff in this set piece. We have the captain and his crew trying to get off this uh, this little co- this little beach and try and get back to their uh, their their yacht. We have the crab being controlled by these electric shocks and having to trying to eat. Excuse me, everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy, who I should mention, uh, played by Jessica Henwick, most known for her roles on uh, shows like Game of Thrones and Iron Fist. She's one of the best things about that show that is not very good. Um, yeah, but something she does in both of those shows, some pretty badass fight choreography, which we get to see in oh, yeah. this movie, which was very satisfying to watch. Uh, yeah, and we just yeah, yeah, and we get yet another payoff because this movie just gives you wonderful okay. setups and payoffs. We get okay. another okay. payoff so, um, to something. That, yeah, so, you, you explain it. So be- yeah, yeah. Before but no, no, before before we get to that though, the. Honestly, my first thought upon seeing this action scene was just, uh, okay, so is this just going to be another run-of-the-mill, just obligatory action scene because you have to have an action scene in the final act? or Because mm-hmm. we already had that sandworm scene and the centipede scene and the fr- even the frog scene, and I'm just like, how is this one going to be different? How is this going to feel fresh? And it turns out that we get another payoff from the time that Joel spent with Clyde and Minnow because during his trek with Clyde and Minnow they encounter a giant snail and that snail is perfectly harmless and of course Joel doesn't know that he just takes Clyde and Minnow's word for it and sure enough it just leaves them alone but Joel asked him well how could you tell that this one was a good one and Minnow says you could see it in their eyes and so what happens here the crab grabs Joel. Joel is about to blow it away with a grenade launcher that um, that Amy procure, procured from the the girl, part of the trio. And just when he's about to blow the crab away, the crab just doesn't eat him. It just looks at him with a pained expression in its eyes. And that's the payoff that we get. Yep, we realize that right. th- that is the moment we realize that this crab is doing all of this against its will. This crab mm-hmm. don't want to do this shit. Crab, crab just yeah. wants to, you know, go off and live its own life. Yeah. So, um, Joel instead launches that rocket at the chain, so then the captain can no longer control the crab, and the crab can, instead of killing all of these wonderful colonists, as well as Joel and Amy, 
and instead goes out to the and goes out to the water and destroys the fuck out of that yacht, as well as our trio of food stealers. Yes, and it is amazing. <laughs> it's fantastic. So that happens. Um, you know, Amy and Joel are able to like help everyone get back inside, and you know, repair damages and help and help everyone get back to you know like help with their health. Uh, mm-hmm. Joel gets some kudos from from a guy that we meet earlier who's like, you know, you did pretty good. I probably would have done it differently, but you did pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, and boy is back by the way. Oh yeah, boy is back. Boy is back. Boy shows up. <laughs> fuck shit up like he do. Uh, it's great. Boy, boy is the best. Boy is the best boy. So, and uh, we 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 are now closing to the, getting to the end. Uh, Joel um, has decided that yes, it is time for him to leave and go back to his colony. Uh, he leaves Amy with a goodbye kiss that shot that like rocks both of their worlds. Hot <laughs> damn it! Hell, it rocked my world. Uh, that, that, I mean, that, that, look, there Mm -hmm. are a lot of, a lot of, um, kisses in movie scenes that, uh, can blow you away. Mm -hmm. Uh, this one, not, it knocked my fucking socks off. It was just (laughs) full of so much raw passion and sex, and I loved it! Uh... (laughs) No kick shame but mostly no it's love it's, it, it's yeah, mostly yeah. love <laughs> yeah yeah um and but uh so joel and boy they leave and they go back to their colony and joel through his narration is saying you know like i i, I was able to survive this for you know on us on for seven days twice in fact twice you know, like letting us know that he was able to make it back to the colony before we see that which i really like i was like okay like mm-hmm. you know it's like did he make it back please tell me he made it back um like, which he did. Yeah. He was able to get back to the colony. Everyone's hunkered down because they, they, uh, their security has been breached again uh, since he left. He was told on the radio. Uh, mm-hmm. But he gets he makes it back, and uh, he convinces the rest of them that, you know, maybe it's time to go somewhere else. Uh, as Clytomenos said when they parted ways, we're, they're, they're going up north to the mountains where, you know, they it's been said that the cold uh, has uh, enabled people to to survive up there um without fear of the monsters mm-hmm. so they so uh it is revealed that joel has made a recording that he is broadcasting on every uh on every network on every um rate on every station available on 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 the ham radio uh, that you know he believes that like look he he reiterates the whole thing of if i can survive this world anyone can do it and i urge everyone to to get out of their bunkers and you know re-experience this world that we lost um because it's still full of great wonders it's still a beautiful place and it's time for us to take it back basically and um and you know we see uh Mm -hmm. like we see amy like you know like like leading all of her colonists out and she's holding the journal that that joel made by the way something we totally Mm -hmm. forgot to mention joel Mm -hmm. has become a much better artist and has actually been like Mm -hmm. drawing all of the monsters that he knows of um and like been like been mentioning all the the things uh regarding like their weaknesses and their strengths Mm -hmm. and how to beat them how to how to and, and how you should approach them and uh, he left that with Amy. He's making a new one. 
and you know we we do that great shot of like we get like a great like a great shot of her you know like leading her colony out and it pans down and she's holding the book close to her because you know there's the possibility that you know Amy and Joel could you know rekindle their relationship which yeah. I I like to think my headcanon is they do like they see yeah. each other again and it's like we've been through a lot of shit at this point like <laughs> we're going to latch on to each other and never let go um and yeah and 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 that's the end of the movie yep so <sighs> roll my credits God. on a on a just a a banger of a movie yeah yeah because um this movie is just it shows that a good movie could be simple it could just be a boy his dog and a series of effective setups and setup is it sets up or setups i'm gonna say setups 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 and payoffs and i do kind of wish we got there is a small part of me that wish we got more of Clyde and minnow but like i said this is a good movie it knows it's not their story it's joel's and yeah yeah this is just a word well just to reiterate um it's much smarter than anyone will ever give it credit for because look how exactly. we have been talking about this so-called post-apocalyptic brainless like a genre of movie that gets tossed aside as like brainless or but you know what there's a difference between brainless and just simple you know and i, th- I feel like yeah. that people like, just like, yeah conflate the two like there's a simple like, the thing is like the, yeah. it's, it's not like this movie doesn't have like mindless action because it does but it does mm-hmm. mindless action in a very smart way because like right. look look my, like i am all for mindless action like like one of my one of my like quote-unquote guilty i i don't believe in i don't like totally believe I in understand. guilty pleasures yeah i believe like you, you just like what you like and and don't give a fuck Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my quote-unquote guilty pleasures is super trashy action movies, especially if they're done well. Um, yeah. You know, I like, you know, a movie like Triple Threat, where you have just a bunch of really great martial artists just going ham on each other. Uh, <laughs> that's fun. Um, one of my personal favorites is Punisher Warzone, a movie I mentioned yeah. earlier in this episode. Yeah. Um, Everyone go revisit Punisher Warzone. That movie still yeah. fucking slaps. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a movie where Frank Castle punches a dude in the face so hard that his face explodes. It's yes. awesome. That is a thing that uh, happens, but, yes. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, but like, there's mindless action, and then there's mindless action done in a smart way. And this is definitely an example of the latter. Yep, yep, yep. So, when, when we go to write our uh, letterbox reviews, uh, how many stars are you giving it? Uh, I, I gave my review, I believe I gave it four and a half just because it's, it's not quite, I, I, I have to watch it again before I give it a perfect five. Um, yeah. but, uh, but right now it sits at a, at a, at a solid four and a half, uh, with, with, with a, with a heart added to it because I just, I really love this movie and I think if I do watch, I think the next time I do watch it. I'm gonna give it a perfect five, most likely. I, 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 it was just that because that was like my that was my knee jerk uh, that was my knee jerk rating of it. Um, mm-hmm. But after thinking about it and and sitting here talking with you about it, um, I definitely believe that after a, after a second viewing, it's gonna it's gonna go up in my rankings as far as 
as far as movies go. I'm also really bad at ranking shit. Um, I'm yeah, me I too. Have tried mul- on on multiple occasions to try and make just a top twenty favorite movies. Uh, it usually gets expanded to like fifty or sixty at some point. Yeah, yeah. It hard. <laughs> but yeah, um, as for me, I give it a solid four out of five, and for basically all the same reasons you did because uh, to sit here talking with you about it realizing that it's smarter than anyone will give it credit for and just it's just so competent you know <laughs> and and at the end of the day isn't yeah. that what we're really looking for just competence yeah that's all I'm looking <laughs> but, for it's all I'm looking for I'm just looking for a good fun simple movie that is competent yeah, yeah it's, it's all you want yeah it's all you want yeah. It's kind of weird though. Um, I mentioned Trollhunter earlier, but um, although I will, this is one of those weird situations where I would gladly say that Love and Monsters is a stronger movie than Trollhunter, but it's like I would rewatch Trollhunter, and I think this just this just might be familiarity because I've already rewatched Trollhunter like four times. But you'll probably see me rewatching Trollhunter before I rewatch this movie because, and that's not a knock against Love and Monsters because let me put it to you this way. I have rewatched Pacific Rim. Well, I stopped counting after the sixteenth time, but um, <laughs> it's not my favorite movie. Oh, I'm the same way. I have, I have so many movies that uh that that uh that I watch all the time. Um, like I there was a there was a tweet uh one day where it was like you know what movie have you seen the most? And I was like I've seen a lot of movies where I just stopped counting how many times i've seen it <laughs> and they're not and they're like by no means movies that i would say are like big favorites it's like footloose Daisy and confused um clerks the evil dead the first evil dead hmm. um the indiana jones movies every edgar wright movie um the iron giant uh the blade trilogy yeah there's just there's a lot of movies like that where like i i have watched them just i like just so much to the point where I could never tell you how many times I've seen it. Um, oh yeah. And and uh, yeah, honestly, this is a movie I could definitely see myself like putting on over and over again a couple of times mm-hmm. a year. Because mm-hmm. it's just it's just a really fun, enjoyable movie, even with a lot of the scenes that get pretty dark and pretty and pretty uh, pretty emotionally gut uh, like just like our emotional gut punches. This is still a really fun movie at the end of the day. Yes. Yes. Um, I would even go so far as to say uh, a nice little double feature. Maybe be uh, Pacific Rim and Love and Monsters. Maybe? I would think... Well, I would honestly think uh, Troll Hunter and uh, Love and Monsters would be a better double feature. Because the... what? Uh, Make it a triple feature. Why not? Triple feature. Yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> but, but yeah. Um... I think we've said everything that we wanted to say. So um, now is the time for the plugs. JD. Ah, the plugs, the plugs. Hello, the <laughs> plugs. Uh, well, uh, as Parish mentioned, my name is JD Martin. I am the host of a uh, podcast called Comics Quest, where I uh, every episode I discuss a comic with a guest. 
where I believe this comic, uh, anybody who has never read a comic before can just pick it up and read it and get into comics very easily and start their comics reading journey. I've had Parish on, as he mentioned, four times we discussed uh, the comics Murder Falcon, Extremities, Scott Pilgrim, and uh, She-Hulk. And, uh, and, I've, and I'm... Uh, I believe, but I'm I'm believe by the end by the time this episode drops, I will probably have already either ended season two or will be about to end season two, um, and uh, I will be back on April twentieth uh, with the start of season three, talking about a ton of uh, a ton of comics, everything from Laura Dinky's Breaking Up with Me and Nimona to Ballistic and Buzzkill to uh, Squadron Supreme and Thor. We're doing a lot in season three, and I already have like all the way up to all the way up through season six planned out. So this show is going to go on for a while. Uh, if you want to find that show, you can go to certainpov.com. Where I'm part of the Certain POV Network. Uh, you can also listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you want to follow the show, we are on Twitter at ComicsQuestShow. We also have a Discord. Uh, Certain POV has a Discord. You can check out. Um, so. You know, go find us there as well. But you can also go and come on to. Also, if you want to, for some weird reason, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I am at JD underscore Martin underscore because there are a lot of JDs out there for some reason. Um, but that's that's about it. Oh, and also, I'm on a bunch of other podcasts. I've been on like other people's podcasts mm-hmm. a lot. I mentioned I was on Panelology before. Um, uh, but I've also I'm also a film rescue show alum, as Parish is. Uh, and I've also been on other shows like uh, Palette Cleanser and Another Pass and Screen Snark and Saturday Morning Confidential. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, go check out those those podcasts as well. Not just my episodes. Go check out the whole shows. They're fantastic. And um, I think I think that's about it. Yeah. All right, JD. Um, well, you're about to witness a Busted Lives history here because I finally came up with <gasps> a unique outro for signing off on episodes 15 episodes into my show to all our listeners and to you jd thank you for busting alive with us really cat <laughs> are you okay are you okay did, did he fall off no he's he's still here he's just like really had to scratch that ear dang okay okay <laughs> sorry no, about so, that no no, no it's um, okay so yeah